It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I am so thrilled today. Uh, pastor Tommy Scott, our pastor from Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, has come down. He, I said, these people have heard all these stories about um, me and you, and so they need to see the, the guy that, uh, <laughs> that was the other side of the, these stories. And so uh, Brother Tommy has come, and I just love and appreciate him. He has uh, three sons that are pastors in the ministry. So uh, he had seven children, right? That's what y'all had, seven children. Wow. He really brought faith to, uh, to me and Sandy as we were, the Lord was calling us into ministry, and I was thinking, wow, Lord, I don't know. And, um, you know, I'd look at Brother, Brother Scott and uh, his family, and the Lord was taking care of him with seven kids. I'm thinking, wow, well, okay, you know, you've done it once. You can do it again, right? And so uh, brought a lot of encouragement and strength to, into Sandy and I's life and very supportive, um, Although whenever I was struggling, when the Lord spoke to me to come to Alvin, I was about sick. After I pulled off the side of the road, I thought, well, i got to go talk to Brother Scott. I was really hoping he'd talk me out of it. <laughs> I don't know if he just wanted to get rid of me or what. <laughs> but he sat there kind of quiet, and he said, well, it sounds like God's speaking to you. And I go, yeah, well. And, um, so, but he's been a, a real strength and encouragement to, to me and to Sandy in our lives. And so we just welcome Brother Tommy Scott uh, from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Thank you, Pastor. Bless you. Praise God. Well, you don't know what a privilege it is for me to be able to be here today. I'm grateful for the privilege. Love your pastors. They are such a blessing, have been over the years. And uh, even though Paul has given me a hard time, <laughs> no, that's not true. He never has. He never has. He's, uh, he's just been a great, a great blessing, and <clears throat> I'm so uh, blessed to, to know what he has, how God has used him and how God has used this church. And I, my prayer is that it just continue and flourish and God's blessing be here. So uh, I, was, I was blessed when he called and asked if I could come and be here for Jared's <coughs> memorial service. And I was honored to do that. I was supposed to be in Springfield, Illinois, but uh, uh, I uh, called the pastor there and said, can I... Uh, beg off and come got a more important assignment and uh, so you can pray for me next Sunday I'll be in Springfield Illinois preaching <coughs> and uh, yes yes I'm better off down here <laughs> amen amen well uh, I'll tell you what God is so good and uh, it's such a blessing I, I'm going to ask you to do something if you wouldn't mind I know you all got your Bibles out and everything just ready to do something can you lay them aside just for a moment would you mind standing back up again just for a moment? Could we just lift our hands and worship God for a moment? Father, we open ourselves to you. We lift our hands to you, O oh God, to worship you, to glorify you, Father. Father, we bless you and thank you for your holy presence with us this morning. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I pray, God, you flood this place with your spirit, with your glory, with your power. I pray, God, that you touch every life and meet every need, God, that's represented here today. Lord, break every bondage and every fear and every doubt and every confusion, God. Let it be dispelled and let the blessing of God and the glory of God flow down upon your people today. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We give you glory and honor. Hallelujah, Father. We give you praise, O God. Hallelujah, because you're worthy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Break every yoke and every bondage and let every soul be set free to the glory of God. And bless your word this morning, Father, and speak to us through it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I really just came to tell every one of you that you're really special. You're special in God's sight. Not only that, God expects something more from you than just coming and sitting in church. Now, that's not a bad, that's not a bad thing. God expects you to be here. But, uh, but this is only a very small part of your life. God has something more for you. God has something more for every one of us here today. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. God's got something special for you. And uh, I want to tell you right now, I'm, I'm convinced because God, I believe God spoke to me even earlier this morning that some of you here are kind of on the verge of, of stepping into something more. 
And, and I, I, believe, I believe God's got something more for you. So God, God wants you to have a desire for something more. And uh, God wants expectation rising up in every one of us. But I want to talk to you about two men today. They're, they're familiar men in the Scripture. Uh, but they kind of uh, exemplify what I believe God is wanting to say to every one of us. These are two Old Testament prophets. And one's Elijah and the other's Elisha. And uh, so I, I know that we know about Elijah in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings. You'll, you can turn there if you want to. I basically, basically just want to point out the fact that this man, just out of nowhere, appears on the scene. Never mentioned before. And, and then here he is one day. Elijah the Tishbite, who was one of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years of it according to my word. I mean, just suddenly he's there and prophesying. And he's talking to a wicked king and telling him what's going to happen exactly. And uh, then we know the rest of the story with Elijah. I'm, I'm sure you're all familiar with him. Uh, after that, he, uh, God told him to go to a brook and stay there. And he said he'd send the ravens to feed you. You know what ravens eat? Roadkill. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly what they brought to Elijah, but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, they dropped food off twice a day, and he drank from the brook. Uh, but you know something Paul was talking about? Uh, got seven kids. Uh, went into the ministry. God called me. I, I mentioned yesterday, I guess, when I was talking, I was saved <coughs> in April of 1960. I was filled with the Spirit in April of 1963. In January of 1964, God called me to preach. And before the end of the year, I uh, quit my job and was preaching. And uh, uh, it's, been a, it's been a blessed journey, but I'll tell you what, those early years weren't easy. And uh, I can understand how Elijah must have felt whenever God told him the ravens were going to feed him, and <clears throat> who knows what they dropped by. But I'll tell you what, when you're... Uh, living by faith and kind of desperate, uh, you're just happy for anything that drops by <laughs> in the way of food. So anyway, it, it, I can understand his situation. And of course, he was there until the brook dried up, and then he, God sent him to a, a widow's house who didn't have anything. And, and uh, by the way, when you give your offering, you think about that widow. She had gone out and got, she said, told Elijah, when he asked her to bring her, him a drink and a, and a morsel of bread, he said, and, and uh, she said, uh, I don't have any. I've got a little bit of oil in a cruise and I've got a little bit of, uh, of meal in a barrel and I've gathered two sticks to make a little bitty fire and I'm going to make a little cake and my son and I are going to eat that and then we're going to die. That was her future. But Elijah said, and listen to what he said, he said, go make me a little cake first. Before you eat it all, bring me a little cake first. But then he said, because God says that if you'll do that, your cruise of oil will never run dry and your meal barrel will never be empty. I'll tell you, you can't outgive God. When God tells you to give, see, what she had to stand on was the promise of God that Elijah spoke to her, God said. And so she did what Elijah said. She went and got him a little cake and a drink and uh, that meal barrel was never empty. The cruise of oil never ran dry for the rest of the three years of the famine. And so God has a way of providing for you, and sometimes it is totally miraculous. And it's totally wonderful when God provides for you in miraculous ways. So don't ever be afraid to step out and believe God for something more. Because if God's calling you to something more, He's got a plan to get you there and make it work. Anyway, Elijah, you know, went on from that. And, and then later he went to Ahab and said, uh, you know, it's going to rain. And he said, get me the gather all the people together and gather the prophets of Baal together and we all know he called down fire from heaven and, and he slew the prophets and uh, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you like you killed them and he ran for his life and got under a tree and prayed, God, just let me die. <laughs> you know, from the mighty man of God calling fire down from heaven, afraid, afraid of one woman and just praying, God, just take me home, it's all over. <laughs> Ladies, you have a tremendous influence. <laughs> Watch your words. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, God, God sent him on a 40-day journey. God fed him, gave him a drink, sent him for 40 days. He went to a mountain, found a cave, camped there, had nothing. And then one day God began to speak. I mean, God began to show himself strong. There was a wind that blew that broke the rocks. There was a fire that came. 
And, and, and all of these things, awesome things happened. My goodness, uh, it was an earthquake. But God says, uh, the scripture says God wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake, but he was in a still, small voice. Listen, it's not the awesome things that God really uses to get your attention. God wants to be able to whisper to you and, and get you to listening to hear his voice. And because if, you, if you're asking God, God, I'll do this, if you'll do this, if you'll do some great thing, then God, I'll do, I'll do what I think you want me to do. Oh, God said, you just listen to me. And you just do what I tell you to do. And he told him what to do. God spoke to him. He said, I want you to go and I want you to anoint Haziel to be the king over Syria. And I want you to go anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. And I want you to go anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead. So he had three commissions. And you know what? I don't really need that. Uh, he... Uh, he did one of those three things. The other two, he never did. He, didn't, he never did anoint Haziel to be king, and he never did anoint Jehu. But God told him, you anoint Elisha, prophet in your stead, and so it was actually Elisha that anointed those other two guys. But be that as it may, he told him to go anoint Elisha. Now, just follow along with me. I'm just telling you the story, but I want you to just follow along with me. So he goes, and it says in the, uh, in the 18th chapter, I'm sorry, the 19th chapter, and uh, down at the very bottom of the chapter, or end of the chapter, verse 19, it says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing uh, with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Now, I'm not sure exactly what Elijah was, how he was saying that, but, but this, is, this is the deal. Elijah comes up to Elisha. Elisha's out there working in a field. Now, if I understand correctly, he said there was 12 yoke of oxen. I'm assuming there's 12 men working with two oxen apiece because they, as I kind of studied on it, I found that they, they plowed that way. They'd, everybody would pitch in and plow a field, and there'd be a group of men, and they'd kind of plow beside each other. And Elisha was apparently on the outside plowing with the twelfth. He had the twelfth yoke, two oxen. They were all plowing, and Elijah comes up to him, takes off his mantle, and throws it on him. And uh, Elisha immediately realizes that this is, this is something special. There's, there's, there's a call here. And I want to tell you sometimes, some of you guys, some of you ladies, God's putting a call on you, a call to something more, something where you don't just stay where you are. And so uh, he, he put that mantle up on him, and, and Elisha said, well, yes. I mean, he didn't say yes, but he said, he, he just identified with what it was. This was the call of God. And he, and he said, okay, okay, let me go tell my mom and dad goodbye, and, and I'll come and follow you. Elijah said, do whatever you want to. What have I done to you? Walks on. I want to tell you sometimes, God, God says, okay, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm showing you that I want you to do. Now, it's up to you what you do with it. If God's got something that he's dealing with you about, it's going to be up to you what you do with it. Well, Elisha went back to the house took those two yoke of oxen, slew them, took the plow made out of wood and, and everything, the, the, burned it up, boiled the flesh, fed his family and his friends, and left, left it all, walked away from it. I want to tell you what, what God sometimes asks us to do is what you've been doing, the way you've been doing it, I'm asking you to walk away from that. It's up to you if you're willing to walk away. You see, when he, when he killed the oxen and when he burned the plow and, and walked away, he left everything that he had had behind. God was calling him to something absolutely new and different. And that meant he had to leave behind what he had been doing and, what, what, and left his livelihood, left whatever wealth he might have had, left it behind, turned and walked away and went and followed Elijah. Now, sometimes that's what God asks us to do. Now, I mean, that's what God asked me to do whenever he called me to preach. Uh, God called me to preach, 
And I was working at a grocery store. And, uh, but anyway, I, I, I got saved in the men's restroom of the grocery store I worked in in the big town of Noata, Oklahoma. It was Landers Brothers Grocery Store. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, I, I got saved there and I got baptized, joined the Baptist church, was proud to be a good Baptist. Three years later, I happened to get into a Pentecostal church, something I knew nothing about. My first time there, like, to scared me to death. <laughs> but the second time I was there, I was filled with the Spirit. <laughs> and then in January of the next year, God confirmed the call to preach. And uh, on a Sunday night, about the second Sunday in January, and I hadn't gone to this church very long, the preacher came down. We'd come down to front to pray, and he came down and laid hands on me and said, the Lord's already showed you what you're supposed to do. It's time for you to be about the master's business, and he'll give you many souls for your hire. Well, I knew that's, that was that was confirmation of the call to preach. The next day, I drove about 50, 60 miles away to another town, Bristow, Oklahoma, to talk to the one preacher I knew there. To, I wanted him to go talk to a man that I had led to the Lord and that had worked. I worked for Safeway then, back a long time ago at Safeway. <coughs> and... Uh, He'd been transferred to Bristow, this guy had, and I wanted, to, I wanted this preacher to go talk to him, make sure he stayed in church. And when I, then I told the preacher, well, I, you know, God called me to preach. He said, well, why don't you preach for me next Sunday night? And so he, I got the call to preach one Sunday and started preaching the next. Been preaching ever since. <coughs> uh, within a matter of months, I did quit my job. I came home and told my wife, I quit. <laughs> well, I had a good wife because she said, okay. Okay, you know, <coughs> the night that I was filled with the Spirit in this Pentecostal church, Assembly of God church, uh, I was down front. I was on the floor. I became, remember the term holy roller? <laughs> well, that was what they used to call old Pentecostals a long time ago when they'd be on the floor. Well, I was flat on my back on the floor with my hands lifted up, praising God and speaking in tongues. And, and my wife, um, the preacher went back and got my wife, brought her down to the front row, set her on the pew where I was laid out in front of her and uh, he just wanted her to see what was happening to me but he made this comment to her he said and, and he didn't know me I'd only met him one time and he anyway he said uh, a, a preacher's wife can make him or break him and that's right Sandy you've done a good job <laughs> and of course, my wife said, if I'd have had the car keys, you'd have found to find another way home. <laughs> uh, but she adapted. And, uh, and then when I quit my job, she was, she was 100% in. And uh, not too long, we had our third child. And, and uh, when we had our third child, God spoke to me and said, you're going to have seven children. Well, I rebuked that immediately. <laughs> but, uh, but nevertheless, that's what we had. And... Uh, uh, and I quit my job, went to work in a rescue mission. I, t I told the Lord, if I'm going to preach, I don't want to preach in churches. People in church get preached to all the time. I'd rather preach to the bums down on Skid Row. That's what we called it, you know, staying in a mission. And sure enough, that's where I wound up. Uh, when God first called me to preach, I was the chapel pastor of a rescue mission. Not one that had a lot of money, not that had a lot of support. It was just a faith mission. And you just had to live by faith. And I got a percentage of the chapel offerings that we took. Of course, you're taking an offering from guys that back then were trying to bum 50 cents to buy a pint of wine. So you didn't get much offering. But, you know, we learned how to live by faith, learned how to trust God, learned how to, if God says do it, just do it. And it hasn't always been easy. So we get back to Elijah and Elisha. Elisha has determined to follow Elijah. And he does follow him. And he's been with him for a while. And then the time comes, just a little further over in the second chapter of 2 Kings, where uh, it's time for God to take Elijah off the stage, off the scene. And so it says in, uh, in verse 1 of 2 Kings 2, came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And let me stop right there long enough just to remind you, Elijah didn't go to heaven in a chariot. He went to heaven in a whirlwind. The chariot, well, we'll talk about the chariot in just a minute, but let me just tell you right now, it was a distraction. 
But anyway, let's just look at it here. Uh, and so he said, uh, he told Elijah, he told Elisha, I've got to go to Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Got down to Bethel, and when they got there, the sons of the prophets that were, with, were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that, thy, that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered and said, Yea, I know it. I want you to know something. When God's getting ready to do something, He starts making it known. I mean, in fact, God, the Scripture says that God wouldn't do anything except He first showed it to His servants, the prophets. And so those that are spiritually in tune begin to pick up when God's doing something or beginning to do something. And so the prophets were aware of what was going on, and they were aware that Elijah was going to be gone. And uh, so they try to tell Elisha, kind of prepare him. But he says, I already know it. I know what's going to happen. And Elijah said unto him, uh, verse 6, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they two went on. And the fifty of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither. I like that in the King James. You probably don't have that in the modern translation of you smote the water and parted hither and thither. <laughs> I've never been sure exactly what that means, but it separated. And so uh, they went across on, on dry land, uh, over on dry land. And so when they got on the other side, Elijah turns to Elisha. And it came to pass, that, and they went over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. In other words, okay, Elijah, Elisha, you've been following me here. You stayed with me. What do you want? What do you want? And I believe sometimes God's willing to listen if you want to tell God what you want, especially when it's in line with what God is already wanting in your life. You see, sometimes we're kind of afraid to ask. But I want to tell you, if, something, if God's been putting something down in your spirit that He wants of you, don't be hesitant. If if You'd be willing to say, Lord, this is what I want. I want what you want. I want what you want of my life. And, and, and don't be afraid to ask for small things. But just there is, a, there is a, something about that. Let me just read on just a little bit further. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. In other words, you want to know what I want? I want twice as much of what you've got. The Spirit of the Lord's upon you, but I want more than that. I want a double portion. And so Elijah said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Let me tell you something. When you begin to ask for much, don't think it comes easy. Because it doesn't always come easy. There's, there is a, a price to pay. Now, I mean, God's a God of grace, and He gives out of a heart of grace, but He's calling you. And I want you to know, he, He's looking at you to see if you will respond. You know, do you? I've got what I want you to do, but do you want it? Do you want it enough to lay some things aside, some of the things you used to have and you used to do and you used to be? Are you willing to lay that aside to pursue what God is wanting you to do and to be? And so when it got right down to it, and Elijah told, uh, asked Elisha, what do you want? And he said, I want a double portion of the Spirit that's upon you. I want it on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. It's not going to be easy, but you've asked a hard thing. He said, nevertheless, uh, if you see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. If you want that, he's basically saying, you've got to keep your eyes on me. And I'll tell you, if you want something from the Lord, 
You've got you to keep your eyes on the Lord. You can't allow your life to be distracted by a bunch of stuff. There has to be a focus. Now, Elisha has already proved to Elijah that he's not quitting. He's not stopping. And the thing that I really want to mention to you and warn you about this morning is that when God wants you to do something, and it, and it seems maybe beyond you, beyond what you feel like you could do, but you're willing to, to desire that. And whatever it is God wants in your life, God always has something more for you. He always wants something more than where you are right now. God has something more for you. But there is a problem. It's awfully easy to stop. In your spiritual walk, in your spiritual life, it's always easy to find a stopping place. In fact, Elijah gave Elisha ample opportunity to stop. He told him, at Gilgal, you stay here. I've got to go on. Well, let me just tell you, when I, when I got saved and I became a Baptist, I, got, I became a Baptist because dear old Baptist brother hounded me. He didn't hound me. He just came in the store all the time talking to me about Jesus until finally I was so under conviction that I got down on my knees and prayed and God saved me. And, but I became a, a Baptist. I was proud to be a Baptist. I, was, I couldn't imagine why anybody would want to be anything else but a Baptist. I, 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 was, I was a good Baptist. And uh, I could still be a good Baptist. I mean, I mean you know, if, if, if I had decided to stop right there, I could still be going to a Baptist church, listening to a Baptist preacher, tell me that I need to be a witness for Jesus. And, uh, and, and you know, I could, I could be a good Baptist and that would be okay. I mean, it, God would be okay if I wanted to stay being a Baptist. But then God had something more. And then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was thrilled with being filled with the Spirit. When I was filled with the Spirit, I thought, this is just like getting saved all over again. I mean, this is, this is such peace and such joy, and, and, and it's so exciting just to be filled with the Spirit of God. And, and, and you know, I could, have, I could have stayed there. Just, just go to church, filled with the Spirit, come in, praise God, rejoice, speak in tongues every once in a while. You know, great. I could live the rest of my life like that. But I had to decide if I was willing to take another step. And when God began to deal with me about preaching, I was eager to do it. In fact, I was so eager. I, it was something burning inside of me, and I was afraid it was me and not God. But uh, God confirmed it, and uh, I, that's what I did. I started preaching. And I've been preaching for the last, well, in January, it'll be 54 years. But, you know, what I found, Paul, I'll warn you about this. <laughs> I, I pastored six different churches, and uh, I found in every church you can get so wrapped up in church work, in, in doing church stuff, that you sometimes miss what God is really wanting to do with you. I mean, we can all get churchy, <laughs> you know, more churchy than we are spiritual and and it's easy to stop i mean as, as a pastor you can get so bogged down that you that you you're not pressing forward i was blessed when you were talking about churches getting together to pray because that makes such a difference and uh, and when you get a group of people coming god will begin to pour out his spirit in a fresh way god will begin to send revival i wish i had time to tell you about revival we had when I was pastoring in Tulsa. Have I got time? <laughs> well, I was, we were pastoring in Tulsa and, and uh, this is probably, this part probably was after you left. Because uh, uh, we were, we, the church was going great. Paul had been with us. We, he was a great worship leader. Sandy was great with the kids and church was growing. In fact, we'd gone to two services on Sunday morning and and even at that, we'd run out of parking space. We'd run out of educational space. And, and we had an opportunity to get another building uh, that was three times the size of what we had. And uh, it, was, it was a great opportunity, and we, we stepped into that opportunity. It was kind of a lease, lease purchase thing, and, and we moved to that. And the old church, we left it behind, and, and it was still ours, but we were letting another. Uh, actually, there was a dear black lady that had a 
great ministry in Tulsa. And God really spoke to me, you let her use your building. And, and that's what we did. And she was a wonderful lady, wonderful church. Anyway, we moved on. And, uh, but something happened when we moved. A certain number of the people didn't want to be there. Their hearts were still back in the old building. And I, I'll tell you, whenever God wants you to move forward, you have to be careful that you're not always reaching back for what was instead of what can be. And so, uh, anyway, uh, nothing happened. I tried all, everything I'd learned about church growth and everything to try to get the church moving going forward, and nothing happened. And it was really depressing. And so finally, as a last resort, I started praying. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, actually, my wife and I started going to the church in the mornings, and I'd tell the church secretary, just, we're going to write in the auditorium, we're going to pray, and anybody calls, you tell them, I'll call them back later, and we're out there to pray. So we'd pray. We'd come in 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, pray till noon, sometimes till 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just praying and seeking God. And, and I was telling the Lord, Lord, I, I've done everything I know to do. I don't know what else to do. You've got to do something. And nothing was really happening, but we were praying, and then two or three other people began to join us, come and pray, and we just, just prayed and sought God because we had, we had nothing else that we could do but just pray and seek the Lord. And then one Sunday morning, see, I was, I was standing over here. The worship leader was over there leading the worship service. I was standing here waiting for him to get through doing his thing so I could do my thing. Because, you see, we know how to do church. And so somewhere in the midst of the worship service, something happened. I mean, it was like heaven opened up. The Spirit of God came and just filled the house. Uh, you know, kind of like the book of Acts, like a rushing mighty wind. There wasn't the wind, but there was just this presence of God that suddenly, just suddenly, fill the auditorium and uh, you didn't have to tell people that God was there people were weeping people were coming down to the front to pray people were kneeling and praying at their pews <clears throat> people were standing worshiping God it was just it was just a wild thing God came a and it went on all morning and I, did, and I never did preach I don't I, I don't even know what happened it was just God was there and uh, finally we the service drew to a close and Sent everybody home. We came back on Sunday night. And uh, they're doing the same thing, just waiting for the song leader to get through in the middle of the worship service. Here it was again. Just filled the house. We came back on Wednesday night. Same thing. And I would not exaggerate if I tell you, we, this started in October. And all through October and November and December and January and February and March, every service, God's presence came in an awesome way. And it was the most glorious time that I ever heard. I'd come to church every service ready to preach, but most of the time I would never preach. Uh, I would exhort the people, urge them just to continue to press into what God's doing, receive from the Lord. And God was just ministering to the people. And, and uh, I, in fact, I, I prayed. I talked to the Lord. I said, Lord, I come to church prepared to preach, but I never get to preach. I said, is that okay? And God spoke right back to me. He said, my people don't need to hear more preaching. What they need is my presence. Yeah. And, and that's what we had. But it's an interesting thing. When God can be doing wonderful things, and, and we have people that, if they have to be out of town, they'd come and apologize and say, we We've got to go out of town, and we hate to miss because we know we're going to miss something. And, and, and nobody wanted to work in children's church. Nobody wanted to do anything. Everybody just wanted to stay in the auditorium because God was there. Uh, but there was a few folks in the, in the congregation that they were spectators rather than participators. And as time went by, they began to kind of murmur and grumble a little bit. That, you know, this is, this is not the way... This is not what we come to church for. This is this is this is not what we this is not what we're used to. This is not what we want. You know, I, I can't imagine somebody said the presence of God floods the house. People are being touched. Young young couples that 
you know, young guys come to church oftentimes because their wife says, we're going to go to church. But we had young guys that came to church because they were hungry for God. And, and but, but anyway, there was this, this murmuring. And this murmuring began to increase and increase and increase. And finally, one Sunday morning we came. Worship leader was doing his thing. And we still led worship. I mean, usually, I tell you what, worship ushers in the presence of God. And, uh, but this Sunday morning, nothing happened. Nothing happened. And Sunday night, nothing happened. And Wednesday night, nothing happened. And nothing happened. It was, it was frustrating. It was, it was painful. It was depressing. We had prayed. We had experienced God's glory in the house, and it was gone. And we continued to pray, though. We continued to seek God. And we went on, and we had church as usual. And we continued to pray, though. And before God, I'm telling you the truth, the next October, this happened in the late spring, went through all through the summer, and the summer was a very dry summer. I don't, have, I don't know about naturally, but spiritually it was really dry. But in October, again, one Sunday morning, it just started all over again, like it had never stopped. And it went on again from October over into the spring, and the same people began to complain about the same situation. And finally God spoke to me, and he said, you take them back, you take those back that want to go back, and you take those on that want to go on. And so we found somebody that would take the building. We told Mother Tucker, that was her name, told her we were going to have to take the building back. And so she was gracious and agreed. And so we moved the congregation back. And a uh, short time after that, I resigned and left the church. I just, and I did start another church. I never invited one person from that church to come to the new church that I was starting, but a number of them did. I'm sure the folks that were left at the old church were sure I just dragged them out of there, but I didn't. Uh, as a little side note, that's kind of like me preaching. I've done a lot of evangelistic work. But I've always told the Lord, God, if, if you want me to do evangelistic work, if you want me to travel and preach, you're going to have to open the doors. Because as a pastor, I've had preachers call me, want to come and preach. You know, they tell me, well, I just want to come and bless your church. My thought was, I don't know you. I don't know whether you'd bless my church or not. So, <laughs> you know, and so, but what I told the Lord was, if, I, if I've got to start getting on the phone to call people that I know so I can go preach, I'm not going to do it. If you don't open the doors, I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going. But I'll tell you what, after we had the, that other church that I started for three years and God so dealt with me to leave and travel, and uh, we spent four years doing evangelistic work. I never called one place for anybody ever, everywhere I went. We were busy and preached all over the western United States. God opened doors that I could never have imagined. But God's faithful. And, and when God calls you to do something, if you'll just step out and do it, God will make it. God will take something that seems like nothing and make something great out of it. He'll take you make something great out of you. Maybe not great in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God. And so Elijah told Elisha, you've asked a hard thing. And uh, he said, if you see me when I go, you'll have it. And then it just sim simply says that, uh, and it came to pass, verse 11, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up to heaven, in, uh, went up in a whirlwind, by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He said, If you see me go, you'll, uh, you'll have it. And if you don't, you won't. And so it is so many times. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. God wants you to do something. God wants you to be something. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. You can't get sidetracked. That chariot, can, can you imagine this? Seriously, can you imagine this? These guys are walking down the road. 
and, and just talking, and suddenly heaven opens up, and out of heaven comes this chariot that's flame of fire, and horses that are a flame of fire, and they come down and they come right between them. You know, I'd have been, <laughs> you know, awestruck and watching that thing that went out of sight. But not Elisha. The chariot went by, he stood up on tiptoes and saw Elijah as the whirlwind came down, took him into heaven. And as Elijah went up, Elijah's mantle fell down. And two things. It says in the scripture that Elijah tore his own clothes in two. He ripped that and laid it aside. Laid what, what he was, what clothed him, he laid it aside. He went over and picked up Elijah's mantle. He walks back to the Jordan River and says, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smote the waters and they parted. And he walked across again on dry land. And those 50 sons of the prophets that were out there watching, you know, there's always people watching what God's doing instead of being involved in what God's doing. And uh, they said, he's got it. The same spirit that was upon Elijah is now upon Elisha. You know, I, there's nothing to say that those guys couldn't have been participators in that, but they became spectators. And God wants us to do something more than just watch what God's doing. He wants us to get into it. You see, the time that this happened in our church, this was back in the early 90s, so it's been a long time ago, and I'm reaching back to talk about something that happened a long time ago, but it was, it was one of the most significant times in my life. I saw God move in a way that I'd never seen Him move before. I saw people healed. I saw people's lives changed as God moved by His Spirit. But this was the same time that they were having a revival in Brownsville, uh, Florida, it was the same time they were having a revival up in, in uh, Toronto, Canada, what was called the Airport Revival. There was revivals like this breaking out everywhere. And, and, and it broke out in our church. But what I learned simply was this. God's looking for people that are looking for Him. God's looking for churches that want something more than what they're having. And when you were singing and we were singing about God send revival and Pastor Paul was saying, yes, we want to see revival. Listen, that's what you need to do. You need to pray. You need to seek God. You need to lay other things aside and just say, God, this is what we want. This is what we need. And you press in. Sometimes that made things uncomfortable. But you know what I found out? I found out that God's not really concerned about our comfort. What He wants is our obedience. And God's calling His people. God's reaching down from heaven in this dark age in which we live and saying, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. I'm not through with you. Now I'm 76 years old and uh, got kids and grandkids and great grandkids. And When I left the last church up in Topeka, Kansas, they said to me, oh, I was 73 when I left there, and they said, oh, you're, you're going to retire. I said, no, I'm just going to preach somewhere else. I'm tired of preaching to you. <laughs> well, I, I really didn't say that, but that was, that was my thought. <laughs> and uh, someone was asking me what I do. Well, I, I preach every Sunday somewhere. And so that, I'm down here this Sunday, and I'm here because Paul asked me to come. I didn't ask him if I could come. He asked me. And uh, God's faithful. And this is, as I was praying this morning, Lord, just, I, I, I said, Lord, are you, really, are you really saying this or is this just me? But I want to say what I felt like the Lord was saying. That there's some of you here today that, that inside you feel like God is, is drawing you, telling you, come on, I've got something more for you. Maybe he's already begun to show it to you. Maybe you've begun to catch a glimpse of what, what could be or what you could be or what you could be doing and, uh, and maybe you just haven't quite stepped out yet. Well, I want to tell you, first of all, don't stop. Don't just stay where you are. Take another step. Go a little further. Begin to say, yes, Lord. I hear you. Now help me. And Lord, I, 
commit myself to you and what you want. And if it costs me something, if it costs me my time, if it means I can't watch football on television for the while when I'm supposed to be praying, some of the wives say amen. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. You know, but but if if if, you, if it means you've got to set some things aside in order that you can seek the Lord and get clarity and get and make yourself available to Him, He'd be willing to do it. You want something? There's usually a price to pay. Cost you something. Be willing to pay the price and go for what God's got for you. Amen. Well, with that being said, the other thing that I felt like God told me to do was tell you, if you feel like this has been talking to you, if you feel like God's been talking to you, then I want to challenge you this morning to take a step and say, okay, God, you've been dealing with my heart. Don't fully understand it. Don't know how it can really happen. But if you want whatever it is, you want me to do that, God, I'm going to step out and I'm going to, I'm going to make a commitment that I'll pursue what you've set before me. When Elijah, when, he, when Elijah threw that mantle over Elijah, Elisha knew what it meant. Elijah's mantle was passing to him. And Elijah said to him, what have I done to you? Maybe he was saying, do you understand what I've done to you? Or do whatever you want to do, but I've done what God told me to do. And Elisha had to decide to leave his family behind, leave his, what, what he had been doing behind, and pursue what God was calling him to do. And I don't, you know, I'm not saying to you that you need to leave your family or anything like that. I'm just saying you, sometimes you just got to stop doing what you're doing and go after what God's dealing with you about. So I want everybody to stand up if you would. And this morning, if you feel like God is dealing with you about something more, and it doesn't matter what it is, and I don't care what it is, as long as it's you and God, but I'm going to ask you to come down here and stand along the front. I want to pray with you. I want to pray. I want to pray and believe God that God's going to help you to take that next step that you're not, you're not going to ignore God's dealing with you. You're not going to de- ignore God's dealing with your spirit. Maybe it's just you want to pray. Maybe you're just God's calling you to pray more. You know, I don't know and I don't have to know. You have to know. You have to know that God's stirring something inside of you. Preacher, you got a mess on your hands. <laughs> it's a good mess though no thank you God bless you listen I want you to know God's hand stretched out to you and, and, and I want you to know that like John heard a voice from heaven saying come up come up higher and, Eli- and John was caught up I want you to know that God God's calling you to come up a little higher. And I just want to pray. I just want to pray over you. Father, I pray over my brothers and my sisters here, your sons and your daughters, God. Father, they come. They have come today. God, to you, not to me, not to anybody else, not to the preacher, but God, to you. And they have come saying, God, I know that you're dealing with me, and I know, God, you've got something more. And, and, and God, I thank you for that. I thank you that you've, you've got this congregation of people, God, that are eager to do what you want. I pray over them, Father. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow down over them with power. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon them and, God, them not look back, not turn back, but pursue, oh, God, what you have for them. Maybe it's something great. Maybe it's something that in the eyes of man is, 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 is simple. But, God, whatever it is, it's you dealing with them. and It's what you want them to do. And I pray, God, they'll do it in Jesus' name. God, break every yoke and every hindrance. And, God, if some stuff needs to be left behind, if some stuff needs to fall off, God, then let it happen. But, God, bring them into that place that you're calling them to. God, use them for your glory. God, every one of us, every one of us, God, you're reaching out to and you're saying, come on, come on, come on. Let's go further. Let's go higher. Let's, let me give you more. And don't be afraid to ask God for more. Don't be afraid to say, okay, God, I stepped up here on a Sunday morning and I said I was ready to go where you want me to go. Now, God, you you guide my steps. You direct the way. God, you lead me. You show me. You take me, Father. 
And if you're a spirit-filled brother or sister, you, you spend a lot of time praying in the spirit. You get in that spiritual mode and, and you've got to lay down some natural things and put on the, the Spirit of God, the gar- garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and, and, and a robe of righteousness around you. Oh, because God wants to use you and He uses holy vessels. Let the vessels of the Lord be clean. And Father, I pray for blessing and cleansing and purifying. And this I know, Father, the closer we get to you, the more you deal with us about little stuff in our lives and that you're saying this is a little bit of a hindrance. That's a little bit of a thing you need to lay aside. And so, Father, help us to do it. Help us to do it, oh God. Lord, that your will might be done. Your purposes might be fulfilled. And God, just let your anointing flow down upon my brother and upon my sister. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you, God's calling into a, in a, into a deeper ministry. Uh, an anointed ministry uh, some of you God's calling to preach some of you God's calling to praise some of you is calling God's calling to pray some of you God's calling to act and to do to step out of your of your timidity and become bold in the Lord so I pray God will use you God will use you God will get rid of that spirit of fear and God will give you uh, the power of God uh, and he's going to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness God's going to lift you up, and you're going to know you're on the path doing where God's, what God's doing and taking you where He wants you to go. And let me just remind you, there was about three times, maybe four, that Elisha had a, had a time when he could stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Be like Elisha and say, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm going with you, Lord. I'm going with you. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. God, use them. Use my brothers. Use my sisters. God, bless Pastor Paul. Bless Sandy. Bless their family. God, I know they've had a great time of loss, but God, heaven is richer. And God, your grace will be sufficient for them and help them just to keep moving forward. God, you've, you've given my brother great vision for this place. And God, you've done great things in this place. And greater things are yet to come. God, there's a whole... There's a whole church full of people, God, that's ready to do whatever you want them to do. So bless them, Lord. Bless this place for the glory of God. And may revival spring out in the house, Father, to the glory of God. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen.